You are listening to Middle East Monitor Conversations, bringing you lively discussions with prominent voices from the region and beyond as we delve deeper into issues shaping the Middle East and North Africa, from politics to culture and the arts. Hello and welcome to a conversation with the Middle East Monitor. My name is Nassim Ahmed and I will be your host for today. April 6 marks the 30th anniversary of the start of the Bosnian War. The three-year brutal conflict led to the horrific genocide of some 10,000 Muslims at the heart of Europe. Genocide, as we have learned over the years through our studies, does not happen in a vacuum. There is a 10-stage process that includes classification, discrimination, dehumanization, and persecution, leading to mass killing of one ethnic group or another. Will we say never again about the, while we say never again about the Holocaust, the Bosnian genocide, the truth is that never again is at the default setting in the West or anyone else, anywhere else for that matter. People have to be constantly vigilant to the singles, to the signs that never again is a permanent reality, to the signs that um, genocide and ethnic cleansing may rise uh, in, a, in a country. With that in mind, uh, I, I want to discuss global Islamophobia following the recent publication of the OIC's report on anti-Muslim racism with our special guest, Ambassador Rizwan Saeed Sheikh. Rizwan Saeed Sheikh is Pakistan's permanent representative to the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, better known as the OIC. Before that, he served as the Deputy Chief of Mission at the Embassy of Pakistan in Washington, DC for four years. He has also served as Joint Secretary at the National Security Division, Islamabad, where Rizwan was primarily engaged in drafting Pakistan's first national security policy. Thank you for joining us, Ambassador Rizwan. Thank you for having me. Um, Before we dive into OIC's 14th annual report on Islamophobia, um, tell us a bit about the work of the institution as the, the OIC has been doing um, and the role you have within the OIC, uh, you were at one time also the designated spokesperson for what is uh, the second largest uh, intergovernmental body after the UN uh, with a permanent, permanent delegation to the United Nations and the European Union. So it's a huge organization, a huge clout. Uh, so tell us a bit about the work regarding Islamophobia and your role within it. Well, OIC is... Uh you yourself have, ma- have mentioned, is the second largest international or intergovernmental organization after uh, the United Nations with uh, 57 member states. Since most of these 57 member states uh, are uh, Muslim majority nation states, so OIC is uh, generally regarded and understood uh, or construed as an organization representing uh, the Muslim world, or perhaps uh, one can uh, say that it is uh, the nearest uh, approximation to uh, the uh, pan-Islamic sentiment uh, that has uh, always been there uh, in history as well as uh, in, in, in literature. So uh, it was basically formed in 1969 uh, in the aftermath of uh, the Arab-Israeli uh, war uh, with uh, the uh, singular objective to liberate uh, the uh, occupied Palestinian territories. But uh, since then, the organization has come a long way and has gathered a lot 
uh, in terms of its uh, not only political agenda, but economic, social, cultural matters that it deals with. Uh, and uh, Islamophobia, uh, since it is, uh, as we have already discussed, uh, construed as uh, an organization representing Muslim majority nation states, is Islamophobia is a subject that is certainly uh, close to uh, the OIC's agenda, has been a regular part of the OIC's agenda uh, for over almost uh, a decade and a half, actually more. And uh, this uh, report of the 14th report of uh, the Islamophobia Observatory uh, that you have uh, just mentioned and uh, we intend to discuss uh, is a continuation of a mandate uh, that uh, basically uh, was uh, consecrated uh, during the 34th session of uh, the OIC Council of Foreign Ministers, which was held in Islamabad in 2007. And after that, Pakistan has recently, as uh, you would know, uh, hosted uh, the 48th session of uh, Council of Foreign Ministers on 22nd and 23rd of March, coinciding with our 75th independence anniversary celebrations as uh, a nation state on the world map. Uh, so it is uh, during uh, this period that uh, Islamophobia has been a subject of OIC's attention, has been a subject of OIC's action. Uh, and uh, I mean, with some recent developments that, uh, of course, perhaps we'll touch upon uh, during uh, the course of uh, this session, uh, and this uh, engagement with you, uh, it, it, it only stands to grow. Uh, and uh, OIC, uh, during our chairmanship, at least as Pakistan's permanent representative to uh, OIC, I can uh, safely and confidently mention that it would be uh, foremost uh, on uh, our agenda. Uh, and uh, we would uh, want to capitalize on the momentum that the 48th session and uh, the context of the 48th session with particular reference to the uh, passage of a UNGA resolution on designating Islamophobia Day. The 15th March has been designated as Islamophobia Day uh, to be uh, marked and uh, commemorated around the world uh, in, in, in memory of uh, the, uh, the uh, incident in New Zealand where Muslims were brutally massacred 50 plus in, in, a, in a mosque. So uh, that is uh, there and, and uh, in, in terms of its different facets and manifestations, uh, Pakistan and the uh, OIC uh, are going to uh, go ahead and uh, highlight not only their perspective on this issue, but also engage the uh, international community uh, in, in, in a major way uh, to uh, uh, ensure that not only Islam, but all the religions of the world are respected because as we have seen in history and history is an evidence that religion can be a source of you know, contention uh, to the extent that it, it has uh, major wars uh, have been caused by religious disputes or uh, religious uh, you know, uh, divergences of opinion. So in the interest of global peace, stability and security, it is important to squarely address this issue, I would say. Yes, we will, we will speak a bit about the uh, policy recommendations and some of the details of the report later on. But I want to begin um, with you um, just giving us um, just the trend, the global trend uh, that we should know about. Um, your report, um, this year, I interviewed a number of people on Islamophobia, um, and the focus generally has been uh, either with European states or India, 
but your, the, the OIC report seems to me to be the first global report, report which looks at Islamophobia on a, on a global scale, uh, or the major trends uh, across the world, European countries, India and elsewhere. Um, so if you can just give us the major trends that we should uh, look out for when it comes to Islamophobia over recent years, uh, which the OIC report uh, documents. Well, as uh, we have uh, mentioned and discussed that uh, the report has been there for a while uh, and it's been produced annually as a mandated activity to uh, the Council of Foreign Ministers at the OIC at each of its uh, successive sessions over the past 14, 15 years, almost a decade and a half. Uh, it looks at Islamophobia as uh, a kind of, I mean, there's no agreed definition, but uh, of course there uh, is something uh, that exists in, in modern world, in contemporary world, as a fear or, uh, of Islam or a prejudice against Islam and Muslims uh, manifested in uh, not only media, in politics, in economics, um, particularly in the region where you are, because most of the Muslims are economic migrants. So there are certain trends which uh, even this report uh, defines and brings out. Uh, I mean, uh, one trend uh, based on uh, the uh, report's uh, lifespan, I mean, it has been, it's the 14th, so there have been 13 previous mm -hmm. reports uh, that is significant is that Islamophobia is a, is a continuing challenge. It, it continues to pose a challenge uh, to not only regional uh, peace and security and stability uh, in, in uh, regions of concern or countries of concern, uh, but by extension to uh, the global uh, peace, uh, stability and security. Uh, another trend uh, that uh, the report uh, tends to define uh, is uh, that uh, Europe, Asia and uh, North America are uh, particular uh, regions or areas of concern uh, which have been clearly uh, identified in, in the report on the basis of the facts that have been mentioned in the report, the facts that have been gathered by the observatory and the compendium has been produced uh, or uh, collated in, in, in the report. So it is based on uh, the evidence, the facts that these three regions have been identified as major theaters uh, of concern in Europe uh, certainly uh, continues to form uh, uh, the most, uh, uh, you know, significant theater of concern. Um, I, I, I would say since I was previously associated with this observatory and OIC secretariat uh, in uh, earlier in my professional career, that it continues to consistently form uh, a theater of concern. Then uh, that the other trend uh, that is uh, more uh, contemporary uh, in terms of its significance is uh, that Islamophobia certainly accentuated during uh, the COVID-19, and uh, perhaps uh, that is something also uh, that uh, we can, uh, you know, uh, discuss. Uh, the, the, the fourth trend perhaps would be that the uh, instances of discrimination, um, I mean, of course, as we have discussed, accentuated by COVID uh, and other factors, continued to grow uh, with particular reference to uh, the uh, regions of uh, Europe, Asia, and North America, and uh, there are facts that have been reported 
uh, in 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 uh, this report because previously when we discussed islamophobia it has the discussion has been uh, around for a while there was this uh, sort of uh, objection from the other side that this discussion is not based on facts so over the past 14 years these facts have been collated and reported by the oic observatory uh, and uh, now uh, we can have a facts based discussion and we can point out areas even persona of concern and persons of concern can also be uh, you know determined and and uh, perhaps flagged as we go uh, then um, the other trend is uh, the ascendance uh, of uh, far right uh, i mean uh, for instance in europe uh, that has been there uh, again uh, persistent uh, for a while uh, it has manifested itself in uh, a number of uh, european countries uh, including, uh, you know, Netherlands, um, uh, Denmark, France, others. So these countries have certainly, and, and the incidents have been duly listed uh, in, in, in the report. Uh, the, the, the sixth trend perhaps would be that uh, symbols of uh, Muslim culture, like uh, the veil, uh, the scarf, uh, I mean, have been also uh, associated uh, in, in, uh, with, with uh, and identified uh, as, as sources of discrimination, even in, uh, to the extent, even to the extent of uh, legislations that we have seen, to the extent of uh, state uh, support and state sponsorship and patronage that we have seen in France, uh, in India, uh, elsewhere, uh, and, and particularly in, in, in these two countries. So this is uh, also one trend which should certainly be uh, associated with Islamophobia and needs to be uh, squarely addressed. Uh, the seventh and the last trend that the report looks at and signifies is a positive trend, that there is a, a discussion, a discourse, uh, increasing intellectual international discourse on addressing this uh, growing phenomena of Islamophobia, growing intolerance, uh, you know, incitement to hatred, incitement to imminent violence. Uh, there have been, there has been a work on a strategy and action plan uh, at the level of United Nations. Recently, uh, we saw this uh, 15th March UNGA passage of resolution uh, in uh, commemorating and marking that day as the international gives uh, a due recognition that Islamophobia has always been yearning for as a phenomenon uh, in terms of international attention that it needs to get. So these are some of uh, the basic trends that have been uh, identified uh, in in the report. And uh, I mean, if you want, we can. Yeah, no, we can. We can. We can go into the detail a bit later. Um, but I wanted to speaking about uh, trends. Um, one of the things the report, you know, neatly. Um, highlights is what you, the report refers to as hotspots, and it names and shames a number of countries, uh, India being number one. I think the UK comes second on the list of hotspots. You have uh, France, um, Canada, and the uh, US as well. Um, I think anyone reading the report uh, would find it quite odd that China hasn't been mentioned as one of the five hotspots of Islamophobia uh, across the world. Uh, the report does mention the plight of uh, Uyghur Muslims uh, um, generally, uh, but I think some people find the fact that China is not on the list of hotspots as uh, con 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 um, concerning, maybe. Um, why, why do you think the, the um, OIC 
um, did not wish to put uh, China as one of the hotspots of Islamophobia. Can you unmute yourself? Sorry, you, you have to unmute yourself. That's it. Can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. Well, you have rightly pointed out that there are hot spots that have been mentioned, and there are countries like France, India, uh, UK, uh, United States, Germany, uh, the occupied uh, Palestinian uh, territories, Sri Lanka, uh, Netherlands, and uh, Australia. Uh, based on the facts collated in the report, uh, these uh, countries have been mentioned as uh, hotspots. Uh, there is uh, this mention, uh, but uh, in terms of OIC's engagement uh, with uh, the theaters of concern, uh, China perhaps stands out as an example which the others can and should follow because there is a whole process of uh, OIC engaging with China uh, that started about three years back. Actually, it started earlier, but uh, the more uh, pronounced form has been three years back. There, uh, there have been delegations of permanent representatives of the OIC visiting China and visiting uh, even uh, the uh, areas uh, of concern uh, like, like Xinjiang, uh, where it is uh, generally uh, at least portrayed in the media, in the international media, uh, that there is a lot going on in terms of Islamophobia. But through this process uh, that OIC now has with China, there is a positive engagement. And OIC as an international organization in monitoring is monitoring the change uh, that is uh, taking place. Uh, it is engaging not only on, on the political count, uh, in, in terms of uh, the phenomena of uh, Islamophobia or the rights of Muslim minority in China per se, but it is also uh, engaging on economic count, uh, you know, trying to uh, deal with this phenomena at multiple levels. So uh, China, since it stands out as a primary and premier example uh, of positive engagement uh, with the OIC, uh, that is why perhaps there is a difference uh, that should be understood uh, in its true perspective and uh, is there even for others to perhaps emulate with OIC uh, as an international organization that is uh, you know, representing Muslim majority states and protecting uh, rights of Muslim minorities uh, elsewhere and actually everywhere in the world. Hmm. I mean, if I may ask, I mean, generally, what has been the Chinese response to the OIC when the OIC raises concerns about Uyghur Muslims? Um, is, is that something you could share with us? Um, what has been China's response? Of course, engaged with the OIC, but in terms of the allegations itself, um, what has been China's response? Well, uh, you have seen that this, uh, it is not just the OIC that discusses this issue with China that this issue is part of uh, a whole international discourse, uh, you know, here, particularly in the media and in the Western media, uh, which has been asking uh, for uh, access uh, to, uh, to, to be provided by China. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of the Chinese perspective that uh, they have uh, shared with us, uh, that particular uh, portrayal uh, in, in the Western media is politicized is based on political motives. So since
motives or consideration or in terms of a point scoring but wanting to put, uh, squarely address the issue uh, with with china so they afforded access uh, i mean up front to uh, the oic uh, as an organization uh, first to the general secretariat and then to the member i'm sorry about the um weak connection um Rizwan should be able to return uh, i think we've we've lost connection um just give us give, give, give me a, give me a second uh, i think uh, we we can get him back uh, just one second back we lo we lost you there sorry can you uh, unmute unmute please are you able to unmute yes that's it sorry. we were we were discussing china when we left yes that's uh, right we, we got disconnected we were discussing china and i asked you uh, about what yes, the chinese response was I was mentioning that China afforded uh, that uh, access to OIC uh, that uh, it has uh, been uh, denying to uh, the rest of the world, perhaps for political reasons, because it saw the merit in OIC's uh, intent uh, for positive engagement. And since then, that I apologize to the viewers. Um, Ambassador Rizwan is um, speaking to us from um, uh, Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. So for whatever reason, the signal is quite weak. Um, shall, we, um, shall, shall I move on to another question now? I think, I think the Chinese uh, question on China has been um, answered. I, th I think um, there are other issues we need we, uh, we want to discuss with you Please, but sorry about this i mean this technology is uh, yeah. i don't i'm not that it is islamophobic but that's somehow here <laughs> no i mean i think uh, i mean it's not in your control i mean it's just a poor poor uh, connection that's what it is um, um you did you mentioned before about the um uh covid19 and its impact on the spike in um, anti-muslim racism uh, and the report goes to great length to you know expose that and uncover that. So tell us a bit about that. We we heard how COVID nineteen uh, escalated Islamophobia in India, for example. So tell us a bit, bit about how COVID nineteen uh, was a huge contributor in the spike in Islamophobia over recent years. 
Well, the report certainly, since it is covering a period from uh, December 2022 to December 2020 to January 2022, a 14-month period in terms of uh, reporting uh, between the two sessions of uh, the Council of Foreign Ministers in May. Phobia. Uh, I think, um, I don't think uh, the signal will improve. Um, apologies to viewers. Sorry about that. I don't know at which end this is, uh, but it's somehow uh, being broken again and again. Uh, discussing uh, the last question that Yeah, so Rizwan, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll end the conversation. The signal is too weak. Um, maybe once the signal improves and if you can maybe get to a different um, connection, uh, we can have this uh, conversation. I apologize to the viewers uh, who tuned in to watch the conversation. Um, there was lots to discuss, um, but I think we'll have to um cancel this for now uh maybe we can have the conversation another time i thank you for joining us uh, apologies again uh goodbye this was middle east monitor conversations brought to you by the middle east monitor in london